Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Now this week, our guest has taken quite an interesting approach to horsemanship. I think I speak for most of us when I say we spend the lion's share of our horsemanship career trying to find the best way to stay in the saddle. Ironically, our guest has made an amazing career on finding the best way to not be in a saddle. This week, we have Nikki Flundra, a professional trick rider and Liberty Horsewoman. In this episode, Nikki shares an incredible journey that she has taken throughout her career with horses. She's worked in the TV and film industries. As mentioned before, she's performed all over the world doing trick riding and now has taken a liking to Liberty Horsemanship. Nikki shares with us a horrific wreck that she was involved in in 2001 when a horse struck her and stepped on her pretty bad. Nikki discussed the defining moments that came from this experience and have fueled her passion and drive for horsemanship ever since. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Nikki Flundra. Good morning, Nikki. How are you? I'm good, Jason. How are you? Good. I want to take a second before we get too deep into any of this to thank you for making time for Let Freedom Reign podcast and, and sharing your story today and contributing to the lives of the listeners that we have. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's just a real honor and a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Perfect. So we are very early in 2019. Any big plans for you in the season? Well, next on our immediate agenda here is we're um, going to be having another baby here scheduled for next week. Oh, that's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, that's the next big exciting chapter. Yeah, we've got two little boys already, uh, Ridge and Shade. They're seven and four, and and they're going to have a new brother or sister here any day now. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Great, great, great. So... You are a rodeo trick rider and liberty performer. You've performed across all over the United States and and the world, in essence. Do you want to kind of give listeners a little bit of your history and and resume as far as your participation in the horse world? I started out kind of with a love of horses. I I mean, I've always loved horses since I was a little girl. My grandpa always had them on the farm. I was just one of those horse-crazy little girls that just never really ever went away for me. I got into horse 4A, and um, as I got older, my dad has always been involved in the uh, rodeo and entertainment world, and um, I had the opportunity to see trick riding at the Calgary Stampede as a little girl, and I just knew that it was something that I needed to try. And so I went and spent some time with Jennifer Hay, who is now Jennifer O'Neill, and took some lessons from her and, and Jerry Deuce Phillips. I just fell in love with the sport and it seemed like the perfect fit for me with my love for horses. And by the time I was 16, I was going pretty hard with it. And and I just carried on and and started really traveling all over North America and and working some pretty good rodeos. And and that sort of led me into a little bit of the stunt world in the film industry and and, um, kind of took me in a few different directions. But it really... It, it, the trick riding kind of shaped my whole um, my start with the you know with my career in horses and and it was a really adventurous, fun, daring kind of crazy way to start it. But um, you know, looking back, I guess I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I was gonna say most people start with lessons like you know maybe getting on a horse and walking around an arena, not <laughs> hanging off the side of it at a at a dead run. Right. Yeah, and I look back and it. It's so crazy because it never, I was just, I was so fearless and I was so, I guess, sort of, you know, I was just so intent on, on going fast and, and doing the craziest tricks and, and, you know, trying to be, you know, one of the best in the world that I just never really occurred to me to stop and think about what could go wrong. What's actually going on, yeah. Or what I was actually doing, you know, I just, I loved it so much and, 
And of course, as I went on um, through my career, it became apparent what <laughs> what can actually happen. But um, it you know it was a great start for me, and I did um, have some really great mentors and some really great training, and and um, yeah, it's been quite a journey. And looking back over your journey, uh, you talk about your mentors and people you know investing into you. What do you think are some of the most valuable lessons learned from those mentors early on in your horsemanship journey? There's so many things that I've learned from so many great horsemen and horsewomen. Probably the the single greatest influence in my life has been my dad. And while my dad is not, you know, he's he's not ever really been huge into the horses. He he was a bareback and a bull rider on um, rodeoing. We, he never you know, really had horses when we were growing up. It was more my grandpa that did. But my what my dad really taught me was about kind of attitude. And he shaped my, you know, my ideas and, and how to look outside the box and how to chase your dreams and how to, you know, he just really gave me that foundation for kind of seeking a life down a road less traveled. And from there... You know, my mom and dad were wonderful at doing everything they could to sort of support finding the right people that I needed to be around to chase my dreams and to see where I could go with with um, a career in horses and and um, in the equine world. So, uh, yeah, starting with my mom and dad, and from there, I just I was so fortunate to be around some of. In my mind, what are some of the greatest horse people out there? I went um, through my trick riding years, like I said, with some pretty great teachers. And and I look back at my trick riding years, and I wish that I would have known then what I am learning and know now. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. You know, I like I said, I was a little naive, and it was all about just going fast and, and hopping on. And, and uh, my horses always did their jobs well, and... I always loved them and we had a great relationship, but I really was just the very tip of the iceberg for, uh, you know, the, the horsemanship journey that I've kind of started on now. And I guess I was 25 years old when I met a fellow named Dan James. I was doing a show in Australia. We were over there training horses for it and, and uh, trick riding. And he, had his Liberty horses there and was performing and I got to spend some time with him and he has probably been one of the greatest mentors from where I've gone from that point on. He kind of took me under his wing. He flew over sometime after that and taught me so much about horsemanship and Liberty work and, and has become a great friend to me. And he's somebody that I really admire in the industry and was really, really fortunate to cross paths with him, with him in Australia. And I've just been, like I said, I've just been so blessed with the people that I've met and the opportunities that I've had. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been quite a, quite an experience. Now, in looking back at your, your trick riding years, and then making that transition to horsemanship, it sounds like the meeting with Dan James was kind of your first encounter with it. What about... Yeah. What about horsemanship and some of this liberty work that drew you to to changing your perspectives on, on working with horses? Yeah, it really did change my perspective. You know, there's so many times that I look back and, and I think the thing that I think sticks out to me most now with a change in perspective is that I have learned that my main goal when I work with a horse now or whatever it is I'm seeking to do with a horse is I want it to be sort of a mutually rewarding experience. And I really have learned to take into consideration, you know, what my horse is thinking about what we're doing and how I can make it better for them. And and the Liberty work is truly one of the most, not only humbling, but one of the most just incredible things for really seeing horsemanship as a bit of a mirror because it forces you to it sort of forces you to look in that mirror and your horse will tell you everything that you're either doing right or wrong in that moment and 
And it really was an incredible kind of light bulb moment for me when I began to wrap my head around that, when I could see that that everything I was doing was causing them to do something either either in a way that I wanted them to or a way that I didn't, but it all really boiled down to what I was doing. And so I learned to use more intention with my work with horses and I learned to start looking at how we can master ourselves, not only, you know, physically, but mentally, because in working with a horse, it's it's so imperative that we, uh, you know, can control our emotions and that we can have consistent follow through and that we can have consistent discipline and that we can, you know, be the best version of ourselves to get the best version of our horses. And once I sort of learned to wrap my head around all that, things just really started to to click for me. And I learned in a real hurry that you sort of get out what you put into it. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And there's really just nothing that's ever going to going to replace putting the time and the work in. So it it definitely was a, a huge shift for me from just hopping on and going 9-0 and dragging and hanging and, and standing up on them to really understanding how to have a partner in them and how to look at it through their eyes and try to figure out how to communicate with them in a way that that they understood in a way that they were you know made them happy to to do the things that we you know that we're speaking for them to do and and I think as I mature with my horse training and and you know even in having my own kids and and as I grow through all of this I really learned that it is about just looking looking at that relationship as every day trying to make it a little bit better for both of us and, for, you know, for everybody involved. And it's not just about hopping on and, and making them do the job that we want them to do. It's about figuring out a way to, to make it an all-around good situation. So that's really kind of where my goals are now. And and um, every day is a new learning experience. And I mean, I've had more than my fair share of failures. And, and you know, I guess we just look at those as learning lessons. But um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible to me that horses have taught me more than I will ever, ever teach them. So it's pretty cool. No, I I definitely resonate with your story. And parallel a lot of your experiences, you know, I got into horsemanship because I wanted to teach the horse other things. And in walking that journey very, very early on, you realize that, well, the horse is kind of teaching me more than I'm teaching him. Isn't it true? Yeah, but you have to have, you have to have that willingness, I think, as the human being side of the relationship to step back and and be willing to listen to the horse. Because oftentimes we look at it as a superior subordinate relationship when in fact, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's got to be something in it for everybody. And and we got to make it That's enjoyable right. for them. And we have to enjoy ourselves as well because so much of it is your attitude and your presence and, and living in the moment. And it's difficult for us as human beings because we're linear thinkers, right? So we could have a bad day outside of the barn and we get to the barn and we're frustrated and we're thinking about that previous incident. And, and you're so spun up and stressed out that, that your horse feeds off of all that stuff and, and, it, and it's wasted time with your horse. Whereas if you have the ability to step back and kind of clear your mind, I tell people the horse has done things for me that that I will live and die on this earth and probably never have the opportunity to pay them back. Exactly. It is incredible. They're they're the best teachers that there is and and I love how you said they really give us the opportunity to be present in the moment because that's one thing that when I'm out working with my horses, it's probably the only time throughout my day that that is the only place that my head is at. And it's the only, you know, you get so wrapped up in it and you're so in the moment and you have such an opportunity to be so intentional and so with your horse. It's just, there's really nothing else like it. You know, we all know in this life, we get so wrapped up with all of the things that we have to take care of and trying to find a balance of that. And I think that it's incredible that horses can offer us the opportunity to really just learn to be present in the moment. Yeah. And I think as far as life balance goes, it offers so much more success in all the other fields of our life. If you don't have that opportunity to clear your mind and and kind of reset yourself, then, you know, that's when stress and anxiety and a lot of these emotions, human emotions start overwhelming you. But having that half an hour, hour, whatever it may be to just literally shut everything off for a little bit, 
Um, you're able to reinvest right. yourself so much more in, into everything else in your life. Yes, my husband will tell you that I always say I just need an hour to go ride or work horses, and he pretty much will push me out the door knowing I will come back a much happier, yeah. better person if I can have that time. And, you know, when you're a mom and a wife and everything else, it's, it is hard to find a, a balance. And one of the hardest things for me is, I, you know, before I was a mom, it was all about the horses, and they always took priority, and I was always able to have that working time where I was completely present with them. And now it's a little more of a challenge because I might have a kid out there in the round pen with me that needs my attention, or I might know that, you know, they need to be fed, and who's going to get fed first, the horses or the kid? Or the, you know? so it, it definitely can be a tricky balance, but I know I am better version of myself when my horses are a, a big part of my life. So. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think for, I think this is where a lot of the therapeutic benefit is grounded. People that are type A personalities or law enforcement or military, you know, in some of these high stress trauma services, just your personality alone, right? You you want to compete and you want to do well and you want to be better than everybody else. And you may deal with some kind of challenge or some kind of adversity, but you push it aside because there's a competition to do or there's a performance to do, right? But you never actually really metabolize yeah. those emotions and, and never really deal with it. Whereas, I mean, you get out with the horse, you have no, you have no choice. If you truly want to be successful That's with right. you and your horse, you have no other option but to clear that emotion before you get to work with a horse. Yeah, you're so right, Jason. And I think that's why, and I mean, I've seen it firsthand so many times, the healing impact of horses and how how much benefit they can bring into people's lives that really need it. And um, I have been really fortunate throughout my career to be involved with several different organizations that, that do exactly that. They use horses to, you know, bring hope and happiness to people. And my niece has Down syndrome and it, you know, it always just amazes me the smile that my horses put on her face and the difference that they've made in her life. And the different academies and organizations that I've worked with, and it doesn't matter if it's physical or maybe mental disabilities that these people are having to deal with. On some level, the horses seem to really get to them and they're always able to make a connection that is really and truly meaningful. And it just blows my mind how powerful a horse can be and how much impact it can make. And they really, really are life-changing. I'm so blessed that they're in my life, that they're in my kid's life, that um, I'm able to get out there and work with different organizations that bring horses into people's lives that otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. And it, yeah, it's just an incredible thing. I mean, horses here, they are this huge 1200 pound animal that could be scarier, don't have to be the amazing gentle giants that they are that are so forgiving. And so um, they want so much to, to please us and to help us and to to be with us. And it's, it's just incredible to me. It's, it, it truly is amazing. And I, I wish that the human would take that, that lesson learned, right? The horses invest so much into us and it'd be nice if us as humanity, generally speaking, right, could make those investments yeah. in each other because it's the difference between a predator and a prey animal, right? And we, we as human beings want to get to the top, but what horses do for people, right. it's absolutely incredible. I tell people, and I swear by this, a horse can do for a human what modern medicine can't. Yeah. It's hard to quantify that, right? Because there's no research or studies or anything of that sort to the same degree that there is of modern medicine. But it's incredible when you see kids that have a hard time speaking, right? And start doing speech therapy on a horse horseback or, you know, you deal with a lot of these yeah. co cops and veterans who have suppressed demons for the lion's share of their careers. And the horse is able to kind of graciously work them through some stuff. And, and it's really fun to see the progress that people can make when other routes of treatment are not successful. I know. It really is amazing. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing what, what can be accomplished with horses and how, how positive of an impact they can make. And, and you're right, it doesn't matter if it's children or if it's, you know, people that have worked in, in jobs that can leave them with different traumatic things, or if it's senior citizens, um, the program that I'm working with right now called ROAR, 
which is Robinson Outreach at River Cross Ranch, they actually offer programs for senior citizens as well. And isn't that an amazing thing to see how these horses can just make such an impact on on these seniors' lives that, um, you know, are kind of at a time in their life where where they need people to reach out and the animals to reach out and give them some purpose and give them some, you know, a little bit of of daily happiness or hope or a smile or and just to know that you know that that's out there for them and people care enough to provide it and it's it's really yeah horses are they're just really an amazing thing quite a versatile critter yeah they sure are so now going back through your career in 2001 i believe you dealt with a little bit of a challenge yourself right i did yeah and it was Way back in my trick riding years, which has been a while ago now, I was 21 years old and maybe probably, you know, at the peak of my trick riding career, I was performing all over North America, you know, Houston and San Antonio and Fort Worth and Denver and, and, and all the big rodeos. And, you know, I just, I, I guess I just didn't have a worry in the world and uh, one morning, I was walking a couple of horses to the arena to try out his new uh, trick riding prospects, and I was at an arena that I had leased and uh, was boarding my horses at to practice, and um, it was really, I just, I remember it was a really cold, snowy morning. I was walking them across the, these two new horses across this um, parking lot to get to the arena, and a dog came around the corner. And I really, I didn't know anything about these horses other than that I was going to give them a go that morning and, and just see if I thought they might work. And I felt one horse kind of start, start to pull back when this dog came around the corner and I turned to try to get a handle on him. And he just lunged and reared forward, kicked me in the face and kind of got me uh, down and underneath him. He did a pretty good <laughs> number on me. It resulted in uh, well over 200 stitches in my face, and I had reconstructive surgery with several plates in my jaw and my chin. Um, I separated my ribs, which at the time was quite painful. As you say, as you sit here and describe that the horse kind of got you, I'm looking at pictures you had sent me, and I think kind of got you is a a huge understatement. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a life-changing moment for me. I, I... lost some bottom teeth. I had teeth broken off. My whole jaw was rolled over. There was, you know, just blood everywhere and bones everywhere. And and it never did knock me out. Um, But I was by myself. So uh, luckily, my farrier was scheduled to be there later on that morning. And and quite a bit of time later, he sort of found me stumbling around in the snow. And I really didn't know what happened or where I was. Or I really wasn't very with it. But it 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 obviously didn't look good. Yeah. Um. He he got the ambulance there right away, and I was very lucky to have one of the best um, plastic surgeons in Alberta. Several hours later, he had my face put back together and and he said I was incredibly lucky if it would have been you know another half half an inch to an inch higher and would have got me in the temple I likely wouldn't have been here and uh that was a yeah it was a kind of a life-changing day but it was you know looking back it's all just part of just part of it and it's completely shaped me into into who I am and what I've done I think part of it sort of made me want it more and made, you know, drove me harder and never, ever, ever crossed my mind or occurred to me to, to not get right back on the horses and get right back with the horses. In fact, I just remember sitting there healing up thinking I, I need to ride and I need to, you know, I have to get back at it as as quickly as I can. So I was, uh, yeah, it was quite a day. So earlier, you had made mention numerous times in your trick riding career that you didn't know how dangerous things were, and you didn't really grasp what you were doing hanging off the side of a horse, you know, running full tilt down an arena. Now you have this extremely traumatic experience, and for most people, the natural response would be to be done with horses, right? You, you've experienced this incredible physical trauma. There's a whole psychological and fear component that is associated with the incident. What do you think in your soul drove you back to horses? Oh, it's 
a good question, Jason. I I don't know. I just I I knew very early on that horses were what made me complete and horses were I had to have horses in my life. You know, it, it became very apparent to me very early on that that is what my purpose was. That is what I was put on this earth to to center my life around and to put my time and energy into and to try to bring some positive experiences for not only myself and my horses, but for other people. And I, I guess it's kind of ironic that through my whole trick riding career, yes, I had had a lot of bumps and bruises and some wrecks, some pretty good wrecks, lots of broken bones. You know, there was definitely always things to deal with and to overcome and challenges. Nothing like the day um, that I had my really bad accident. And it is ironic that that was just leading a couple of horses to an arena compared to some of the stunts and the tricks that I had done before that. But, you know, it really does, it kind of makes something in your head click and makes you realize that it makes you stronger. It makes you, it makes you learn to see how hard you can push yourself. And it makes you understand that in the whole picture of things, what's important and what you want to focus on and what you have to do to overcome certain things. You know, I I do look back and, and I really wouldn't change a thing because it taught me so much and it really taught me where it is that I wanted to be in this life and how I wanted to live my life every day. And, you know, that's a very valuable thing to learn early on is where you want to be and what you want to do and what you want to spend your time doing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't change any of it. And and I guess I'm very fortunate that it never one time made me not want to be around horses. Um, like I said, it probably, it probably made me want to be around them more. And it probably, you know, I almost became like a sponge after that. I wanted to learn everything and do everything and and get better and, and, and learn better horsemanship and grow. And, and um, it kind of gives you that little bit of time to just figure out what you need to do to get to where you want to go. So. Yeah. I think it's amazing when you talk about, you know, experiencing such a traumatic incident at 21 years old and you knowing that horses were just ingrained to you and, and they're a part of your life and to be able to experience such an am- amazing event and truly understand that, horses are really for you, right? It is your calling because like I mentioned earlier, most people who go through an incident like that would be so gun shy to get back into it that you really, for you, I think it kind of defined that yes, horses is where I'm supposed to be and horses are what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm really lucky that, um, like I said, that I learned that early on and, and, um, it just was never a question for me. I mean, when I graduated high school, I was all, ready to go to the UFC. I had been accepted into the kinesiology program and, and I was really, really struggling with where to go and what to do. And it just wasn't feeling or sitting right with me. And at that time, through that summer, I had been doing quite a bit of work in the film industry. And my dad sat me down and said, you know, what is it that you really want to do? Where where do you want your life to go? And you need to pursue that because, you know, I think somewhere in the back of my head, I was thinking I needed to do what everybody else wanted me to do and what was the right thing to do and what made the most sense. But it was in that moment that I just, I knew that I had to center my life around horses and and that I was going to be willing to do whatever it took to, to make that happen. And, you know, of course we all have our hard days or days when, you know, we might question what, <laughs> what if if we've done the right thing or if we've always made the right decisions. But but I can honestly say that I wouldn't change a thing, and I am very blessed to have had the career that I've had. And and while it's always transitioning, and and I'm you know always looking for and working to to get better and make it better and try new things and work at new things. I think that um as long as horses are sort of at the core of that, I'll be right where I want to be. Yeah, as I say, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, well, I hope so. (laughs) No kidding, huh? 
So let's talk a little bit about your career in Hollywood. What are some of your more memorable experiences or roles or sets that you worked on with a horse? And I think it's got to be incredible knowing what you know about horses and the horsewoman that you are, yet having to work with, quote unquote, Hollywood, who might have different interpretations of what a horse can or cannot do. How did you work, yeah. how did you work that balance between true horsemanship and the, and the fantasy of what Hollywood thinks needs to be done for the right shot or the right scene? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And it's that's one of the biggest challenges because obviously these um, directors and producers and a lot of them, uh, while they're wonderful to work with, and I've had lots of really great experiences with really great people, but sometimes at the end of the day, they don't fully understand horses or what it takes to get a shot or what might be in the best interest of the horse. And that is, I will say, that's probably the biggest struggle with the film work. So uh, I started when I was 15 years old. I did my first stunt on uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It really didn't have much to do with the riding other than my trick riding sort of opened the doors into that stunt world. A lot of the stunt coordinators knew me through rodeo and what what I could do with my riding. So I started getting a fair amount of, of stunt work without my own horses being involved, but just me showing up to, you know, get hit by a car. Yeah, to be the one to brave the task. (laughs) That's right. Get drugged by a horse or whatever it might be. Um, I went on from that show to um, doing some work on Shanghai Noon. And that was the first big, big movie that I ever did. And I remember them dressing me up like Owen Wilson. Oh, no. (laughs) 16 years old. And I was actually doubling him. So they're tatting me up and putting a wig on. And I just, it was kind of blowing my mind how this whole movie industry worked. And I went on from there to um, doing stunts for quite a few years. And I also worked, my dad, uh, had been involved in the film industry a little bit doing special effects. And I worked for his company, you know, doing bullet hits and blowing buildings up and creating rain and smoke and and all these kinds of things. So I really saw so many different sides of how the film industry worked. And um, I knew all along that I wanted to be involved in the horse end of it. And as I transitioned um, into the Liberty work and some more of the specialty horse training, I had some opportunities on a few shows to still do a little bit of the stunt work, but to transition into having my horses work on the shows as well. And most recently, um, you know, throughout the last 10, 11, I guess even 12 years now, um, has been the TV show Heartland, and it's been a. I've been really, really fortunate to be involved in it because they have required a lot of the things that my horses do, and it's been really fun to work on. But at the same time, it is one of those things where they have their expectations and they know what they want, and it can be a real, you know, pressure situation of of going in there and feeling like you need to deliver, but in the back of your mind, knowing that. Your horse is not a robot, and you don't want to ask any more of them than what they're happy to give. And you don't want to sort of break that balance of just trust and and what you've worked so hard to build up with them. But here you've maybe got 40 or 50 crew members waiting on you to deliver this huge scene that they're spending all this money on to get. And, And it can be a very challenging situation. And I just you know, I just try to tell myself that at the end of the day, the horses come first and I do everything possible to try to prepare and, and make it so that it's going to work out. I love the challenge of figuring out how to get the scenes that they want and how to get my horses to, to act in the way that they want them to. And, and I really, I do enjoy the challenge of figuring that out and training and preparing for it. Sometimes I don't so much enjoy the pressure on the day of of having to deliver in a very timely and and sometimes more we all know horses you know it's better if we can work a little more around their schedule sometimes you just cross your fingers and go for it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so it's such a um it's a tricky balance but I do enjoy the challenge and and I've been really lucky um that the things that I've taken the time to train my horses for it's really been neat to see it kind of come to life on TV and and they've written some of the scripts about what I've done with my horses and and uh, yeah it's kind of it's been fun for sure. 
It's so fascinating. And I could only imagine, I mean, the hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars that goes, goes into these productions. And like you said, the, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 guys that are waiting to get this perfect shot that might, you know, last a second or two. Do they give you any kind of heads up or timeline as to, hey, in, in two weeks, we need to film this scene or in a week, we need to film this scene. And this is what we're expecting yeah. out of your horse or? Yeah, they do. Sometimes there's things that they want that you you really couldn't train in that amount of time. So I try to have as many different things in training and, and the better your foundation is with your horse, the more it's going to come together on set and you're going to be able to pull off what they want. Because you can do, we all know this as horse people, you can get a lot of stuff accomplished in your round pen or your, you know, your training pen at home. Um, it's a whole new ball game when you get to set and there's all those people and the energy and the pressure and the sometimes the wide open spaces and the, you know, and they might want a near impossible shot and you might go, oh, well, sure, I can, I could have my horse do that at home. It's a whole new ball game when you get to set. And so the better of a foundation you have on your horse, the the higher your odds of getting it done are for sure. I think it's incredible listening to listening to everything that goes into it. And you talk about having that good, solid foundation for your for your horsemanship. What for you are some of those priorities? Because as you're describing it, I'm thinking just that, hey, when you're at your facility and it's familiar for these horses, uh, life's probably a lot better. But once you have all this other stimuli when you're out on scene, it probably yeah. poses some incredible challenges for you. It does, yeah. I think the things that are really key to me, especially with the live, sh- like the live shows and the movie work, is that I really want my horses to trust me. I want them to look to me to know that it's going to be okay, and that you know whatever I'm I'm asking of them is is going to be okay. I want them to know that I'm never going to put them in a situation that is not okay for them. And the the more time I spend with them, just going back to the basics with the Liberty work, a lot of that is drawing them to me and um, just letting them find that happy place and just letting them be with me and trying to make it a good experience for them. And then building and building and building on that all, you know, all of the training that I do is just building on top of what they already know. So you have to start way back at the beginning, all the way back to just your circles and drawing them to you and doing your flexions and your you know your lateral work and your your body control and and having being able to kind of put them where you need them to go and then just building on that and building all the way up to being able to run them to their mark or stop them from a distance or lay them down from a distance or you know a lot of the movie work is you have to be out of shot so a lot of it has to be done from a distance so I really the foundation for me is I sort of need them pretty focused on me, not so worried about what's going on around them. And that just comes with, you know, lots of time and lots of work and, and introducing them to lots of different scenarios. And I try to just start small and build on that and take my young horses and let them see everything before I expect anything out of them. Let them get comfortable and kind of, you know, every horse has their own different way of, of doing that. And that's where I learn something new with every different horse, what they need out of me and what their training program is going to look like for some come along really fast and not much bothers them and others it's not so easy. <laughs> but it but it always goes back to the back to the basics, back to the, their foundation, just trying to get them to be trusting in me and keep that willingness in them to want to go to work. And that's where the biggest challenge is when you start doing live shows and movie work and stuff is that you have to work really, really hard to keep a horse's want to be there and their willingness to work. And, and it means you have to be very attentive to their needs. They have to be healthy. They have to be happy. They need to just get to go be a horse when they need to go be a horse. And they need to, to be very aware of not overdoing things and and it's it's a very fine balance, and I think it just makes you be the the best horse person that you can be. Because if you're not, it's going to really show. It's going to show up in your work. I was going to say you make it sound so easy. I mean, they're just simple concepts, right? Your horse pays attention to you, and they stay relaxed, and all that stuff. But I mean, you are talking about some serious finite details of horsemanship, and it's, huge. it's it's so so fascinating. 
it's really fascinating. And I always, you know, I always say to my husband, it's when I kind of shifted that perspective and, and really started looking at how my horses look at it and things. Now it's just a constant on my mind of how can I make it better for them? What do I need to do to keep them happy? What, you know, how, like, for example, when I go to do my live shows, my horses love to run out in the arena and have a big roll around. So my whole day of a show is centered around figuring out exactly when I can get them for a roll right before yeah. the show and yeah. how can I keep them happy and, and the liberty work especially because they're going to go out there and do whatever they want to do, you know, at any given moment. So it's always a constant, sort of a constant game of figuring out how to keep them working and happy and content and willing and and it really is so much more of a mental strain than <laughs> that I mean the riding was easy because it was just a physical like hop on go out do your job and uh, that's a good point I didn't even think and, about that right the trick sighting being the physical side of it and I would imagine with your liberty work you were just mentally exhausted at the end of some of these days some of them yeah because you just have to figure out how to make it work and it doesn't always you have to kind of learn to roll with it and and uh, yeah, it's a it's a very very different. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different uh, kind of way of working with a horse. But but I do I like the challenge. And you know, some days when where it shows and it's pouring rain and and I know it's muddy and it's going to be really hard to talk my horses into doing what I'd really like them to do. You kind of have to change things around and make it easier on them. And you just got to figure it out. And and I guess that's the biggest challenge is you always it's just a constant it's a constant wheel of figuring out how to make things work (laughs) so what would you in your opinion what would your advice be to somebody trying to get into liberty work or learn more about liberty work because i mean with liberty work the horse is going to tell on you in a hurry right you know how good you are how good you're not yes but there's very finite details that go into liberty work so what would you recommend for somebody no experience with liberty work and look, looking to go that route or, or explore that path? Well, I think probably mainly two things. And the first thing is don't be afraid to just get started because, you know, it is a very finite and detailed and, and there's so much to it. And the more you learn, the more you learn, you really don't know that much at all. You know, there is so much to it, but at the same time, you just sort of have to get going. And I just, I started reading books and videos and I worked with Dan and I, you know, just, I read and watched and did everything that I could get my hands on to learn about it. And then at some point you just sort of have to go for it and you just sort of have to let the horse be your teacher to some degree and not every program. I mean, there's always that little bit of gray area where what works for some horses doesn't work for others, but I think my biggest advice would be, you know, learn everything that you can, but don't be afraid to just kind of dive in and give it a go. Horses are so forgiving and they will teach you so much. And, you know, as long as you have the right frame of mind about it sort of being in the best interest of your horse and kind of having that mutually rewarding relationship, I think you're going to be on the right track. And, and our horses know that. I mean, they know they know so much more than what a lot of people give them credit for. And I do believe that intention is a huge part of liberty work. And a horse can tell immediately if we are going to follow through with our intentions with them or if we're going to kind of, oh, well, that didn't work out, so we're done for today. Like, you have to be so disciplined in following through, but you also have to be so disciplined in knowing when the right time to quit is. So yeah, I guess the, I guess that's the biggest thing is just learn everything you can. If, if you have the opportunity to learn from, from some great horse people that know what they're doing, that will save you probably a lot of time. Yeah, quite the but, headache. Um, but don't be afraid to get going. So, Nikki, you have this event coming up called Heart of the Horse. It's kind of in the production phases or pre-production phases up there in Alberta. Can you kind of develop the idea behind it and and what your motivating factors were for this Heart of the Horse competition or venue? Yeah, this is something that I am so excited about. Heart of the Horse has been 
kind of in the back of my mind for for a little bit of time now. And this year it's sort of coming to light and, and I'm so passionate about making this event work. So basically what Heart of the Horse is going to be is it's going to be a three-day a three-day event in southern Alberta at the Silver Slate Arena. And what we're going to be doing is kind of showcasing the horse and how truly remarkable of an animal the horse is. And not just the horse, but how amazing some of the people in the equine industry are. So through three-day colt starting demonstration, where three trainers will take three sort of untouched colts and kind of take people on the journey of starting them and what can be accomplished in that amount of time. Um, These kind of competitions are getting to be more and more popular. And I think it's really opening not just the horse industry, but the whole world's eyes to how incredible of an animal these horses are and what they can take in and accomplish and do in this amount of time. They're really like, I mean, they're just phenomenal how, how far they can get in such a short amount of time. So when you make the reference to working with these colts in a short amount of time, I mean, we're talking a few hours of handling from some of these these trainers. It's not a large amount of time that people are putting into these horses. Yeah, it's really, it's incredible to me how far these horses can come in that amount of time. And of course, it's a huge part of it is who is working with them and how talented they are as well. So at the end of the three days, they'll of course go through their compulsories and and a bit of a you know a challenging course and and a few things like that and we've got a few really different and fun things planned for the weekend um along with the cult starting there's going to be a evening entertainment show where I'm going to kind of round up some of the people in the industry that I've worked with in the past and um we're going to have a trade show to go along with it, and we're going to have some great clinicians doing some little mini demonstrations and clinics, and it's it's going to be a really exciting, a really good event, and I'm just, I'm so excited to bring it to life and kind of showcase all of the things that are really important to me and that I have sort of been able to, to have some experiences with throughout the years, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, everybody will have to stay tuned for for how it's shaping up in the next little while. Yeah, and what's exciting for me with a lot of my guests that are on the show is that their willingness and their investment in, in the up-and-coming generations, right, and leaving that legacy. So for you to, in essence, take all of your lessons learned throughout your journey in trick riding and, and your liberty work and performance work, and now bring together an event to kind of showcase some of those lessons learned and, and expose other individuals to the incredible powers of a horse. I mean, it's absolutely, it, it's got to be exciting. It's it's going to be a fun venue, it sounds like. And and what I think is yeah. most most commendable for you is that no matter what you're talking about, you know, working on, on set of a TV show or a movie or, or even this cult, cult starting competition, is that doing it on the horse's time and maintaining your relationship with the horse is, is priority over over a timed event or a certain type of shot. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's my hope that people who want to be involved with horses, you know, through my clinics and, and um, things like that, I really try to try to make them aware of having that mindset and try to sort of have people focus on on that. And if you can go into working with your horse in that mindset, things seem to go a lot smoother. You know, as far as, as the event... I am just so excited to bring some of these top trainers and some of the people in the industry that I've looked up to, you know, my, you know, my whole career. And there, there is so many amazing horse people out there and we all have so much to learn from one another. And I think that the more positive experiences and bringing people together and, and sharing the information whether it's just people that might only have an hour to a week to work with their horses or people that, you know, spend their days working with horses. I think that getting the knowledge out there and getting the information out there and having access to some of these incredible trainers and people that, you know, have dedicated their lives to learning the best ways to go about doing things and the most effective and in the best interest of the horse. I think it's so important to showcase that and make it available to people. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited that 
that we're going to be doing a little bit of that. So It's going to be an absolute amazing event. So as we wrap up towards the end of shows, I like to give each guest the opportunity to kind of sell themselves. And I know you mentioned we got a baby coming here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, <laughs> you got heart of the horse towards the end of the year. Is there anything else in your schedule for the year, clinics or social media or, or websites where people can find you? Um, yes, people can find me. This is one area I'm not the best at. I'll admit that. Um, <laughs> but you can find me <laughs> online through social media. My website is Nikki Splendra Unbridled. And uh, I'm always so happy and excited to hear from people. And, and I do a very small number of clinics per year, but I really enjoy the ones that I do. And, and uh, so if, you know, people are ever interested, I'm really happy to get out there and do a few clinics and teach people what I've come to learn. And so, yeah, that's where you can, you can usually find me. And Nikki, it's been an incredible hour that we've spent together. It's amazing to learn how the horsemanship side of, of things applies to Hollywood and, and TV shows and the trick riding aspects of it, because it's just absolutely incredible what you guys can do with a horse. Do you have any final thoughts or parting words you would like to leave with guests as far as helping them out in their horsemanship journey, or maybe life lessons that you learned through through your journey? Oh, gosh, to narrow it down, I have learned so much, like I said, through through horses. I think probably a couple of things that stick with me the most is a couple of things that that I always tell myself is success is never ending and failure is never final. And you're going to experience both. You're going to learn from them both and you're going to have to keep working to get through them both. But, you know, I think learn to find success in the little things and enjoy it, enjoy every bit of it. And, you know, when adversity comes along, which it, you know, at some point it likely will, it's going to make you grow and be better. And, and one of my favorite sayings is, uh, tough times never last, but tough people do. Yes, and ma'am. I think that's very true in the horse world. And we see a lot of examples of that in the horse world. And just, you know, let horses be an incredible teacher to you. And and don't be afraid to just dive in and, and go for it. Because there's, there's no better way to spend your time than with a horse. Yes, ma'am. Well, Nikki, again, we very much thank you for your time here with Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And we wish you the best in 2019. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Have a good one. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.